Function room 42. That's so derivative. Mathematics in the movies. My guest is John Fardy, News Talk's movie expert, a man who knows a lot about film and, as it turns out, plenty about mathematics as well. We take a short tour of some of the movies that have mathematics at their core. We look at what they do well and where they leave us wanting a bit more. My name's John Fardy and I'm the presenter of Screen Time, the weekly movie and TV show on News Talk. I was going to say Ireland's premier TV and movie show on radio, but I do think it's the only one on national radio. So, you know, that's quite mathematical, isn't it? The one and the only. Well, one is a huge number. I mean, it's so (laughs) vital in everything that being the first of one is, as far as I'm concerned, being the first of of infinite. Uh, Thanks for coming on the show. And indeed, you've had me on your show talking movies are spoofing about movies in the past so Indeed i'm glad to return glad to return the favor uh today we're just going to chat a little bit about mathematics in the movies and i mean there's the science and the science fiction and all that but i think when a movie says it's going to be about maths it seems to put a greater burden on the filmmaker to put a bit of maths in doesn't it like if it's science fiction you can say, oh, no, the constagulator's defobulating and it's with some vague nod to physics and gravity. But nobody needs to, to look at the blackboards. But there's something about maths in movies. It, you'll see a blackboard, won't you? Oh, you certainly will. I think in all of these movies, there's a blackboard. It's, it's the number one trope. And interestingly enough, the blackboard, they put a lot of time and effort into because it's the easiest one for a maths professor to come on and just see a tiny bit of the movie and go, it's wrong. And most of these movies we're going to talk about, they have employed maths professors yeah. and there's as, as, as maths consultants, whether they be professors or lecturers or whatever. And the blackboards are often one of the key things. And to the point that in The Simpsons, there's that famous episode, it's the You've got to be careful with Simpsons fans because they kill you if you get the seasons wrong. And I've lost track, but it's certainly near the beginning in the good days, if I can be so bold to suggest that, where Homer's doing all these inventions at home and he puts some formulas on a chalkboard and they're quite accurate yeah. because some of the Simpsons writers, as you probably know, have mathematical right. backgrounds, you know? And in all these movies, they try and get the the maths chalkboards right for the most part. So even at a cursory glance, you will see correct equations for the most part. They may go on to get a lot of other stuff wrong, but yeah. chief among what they want to get right is often the chalkboard. And as you say, an easy prop, and you just yes. need to write what's on the what what's what what the maths professor has told you to write. Uh, yeah. Not to not to. And the boards a, are always big. Sorry yes, to cut across yeah. you, but they they like them to be almost the higher the better. You know, so one where yeah. you have to get a ladder to the top. That's, that's right. That's you've hit the money load for maths and movies when you have one of those. And indeed, in stock image go- searches of blackboards, there is always like the white coated uh, lab technician <laughs> on a step ladder writing with their arm outstretched up high. Uh, And not to divert and take the tone down immediately. Oh, please do. Were we talking about it or who I was talking with about it? I know I was talking to Dara Breen about it. Apparently, uh, there was a website that rated the blackboards within pornographic films for which the flimsy premise involved uh, a school, science, college or whatever. So they would go through and, and apparently they found, again, a surprising level of mathematical soundness in uh, the prop 
which really are more which far exceeded expectations based on how flimsy the plot was uh so just, just i would have i would have thought of all the places where yeah. mathematical you know accuracy wasn't essential would have been in a, in a porn movie but there you go i yeah. like the name drop by the way i'll do lots of that now i'm gonna i'm gonna do a load of those in terms of these movies you know i, I barely noticed that i mentioned dara o'brien one of ireland's top uh comedic exports but anyway apart from blackboards there tends to be, so you've watched a lot of movies and first of all, do you find the mathematical based movie an intrinsically strong movie or an intrinsically weak one? Like when you're, when you start to watch it as a fan or as a reviewer, are you starting from minus one or starting positively disposed? And is that a thing that is in the minds of a director or a a producer when it comes to these things do you think i you know there's very few movies i think where people have been sitting down and trying to say we're going to make a great maths movie uh, unfortunately or, or or unfortunately and they often tend to be launching pads for a troubled soul because yeah. that's I, I am going to answer your question now in a second yeah. but that is one of the the tropes of these there i don't think there's ever been a happy mathematician committed to screen so they're often the basis of a often decent human drama or something about society or often as we'll get into something about mental health and uh, neurodiversity and stuff like that so on the whole i would say you know if if a movie has as its subject matter a mathematician or someone investigating maths or someone using maths to save the world as in yeah. in the imitation game or something like that uh they tend to be pretty okay. You're, you're yeah. off to a good start. And let's not forget, there is an element of Oscar bait is probably overstating it, but, but you know, saying it's a movie set in the world of maths or indeed science, you know, it, it gets a director in the door of that yeah. kind of stuff. You're not making a popcorn movie if there's maths in it. So if you're sitting down knowing a movie is somewhere in the maths realm, you're probably warmly disposed towards it on the whole, I would suggest, you know? Yeah. And you, you kind of mentioned some of those tropes along the way. There is the the brilliant but socially awkward prodigy one. I remember <laughs> reading uh, about... It was an somebody who who is on the autistic spectrum. They're shit at maths. <laughs> this movie <laughs> makes them like everybody assumes that the straightaway you're just going to be this high functioning mathematical. And while you might be, you know, not great at reading social cues, boy, can you solve a blackboard? And but it, it's it's one of the strongest ones, isn't it? Absolutely. And and often it goes hand in hand that it's a neurodiverse person or at least a person who seems to be sometimes, and it's a crude way of putting it, but almost antisocial or that they yeah. don't do well with people. But interestingly enough, I, I was thinking about this before I was due to talk to you. And, you know, at the BAFTAs this week, Samantha Morton talked about representation and how important it was to see people like her and how she first saw Ken Loach's Kez movie, right? Yeah. And I'm coming to a point about yeah, this, no. I promise. But she okay. talked about how revolutionary that was. And I remember being maybe 12 and seeing Rain Man 
And the Dustin Hoffman character, and that is not a movie about Matt's, but one of the aspects of his character, and he is technically a savant in it, is his ability with complex Matt's problems and complex numbering. And I can pinpoint that moment going, what's wrong with this guy, as the vernacular mm. we would use today? And that representation of autism, you know, it was very powerful because to yeah. my mind, that was the first time I ever saw or even thought about what autism was. So, you know, movies do have a power yeah. much more than so many other things. When you think about ideas we get about the world, ideas we get about maths, ideas we get about autism, you know, movies are such a strong vehicle for those things. And there may be absolute problems with the depiction of autism in Rain Man. But in fairness to uh, Dustin Hoffman, he did spend a lot of time in, with people on the spectrum and did try and do a accurate portrayal of that. And and it's just by the by that, that thing you're talking about, I, I, I'm crap at maths. I think in a way that idea of anyone who's autistic is great at maths or anyone who's neurodiverse, I should say is great at maths can almost be traced back yeah. to Rain Man in a way, you know? And I suppose no more than the portrayal of maths itself, the portrayal of maybe newer diversity, the first time it's done, it's well, crude is harsh, but it is rough hewn and yes. any area which hasn't been por portrayed before. Once it's portrayed first, all subsequent films you would hope are a burnishing of the first rough cut and, Absolutely. and it gets better as time goes on. Yeah, um, and, and attempting to improve. And and you could argue that, that that is happening, you know? Yeah. Now, the first one, this is one of your favorites, Pie by Darren Yeah. Yeah, so Darren Aronofsky is this, you know, he's a unique voice and kind of has his own, it sounds like a pretentious phrase, but he is one of those people where you can say he has his own cinematic language. I realize that's a really pretentious thing to say, that's but fine. with some people, it does fit. And I think it fits with him. And people know him from movies like Whiplash and Black Swan. And my favorite movie of his is actually Requiem for a Dream, which, you know, I think they should show in secondary schools because I don't think anyone would ever even experiment with drugs if you ever watch that it is the grimmest movie possibly ever committed to screen but it is an amazing film but his first movie was a movie i think it was made for eight thousand dollars and even in 1998 that is a remarkable achievement and you have this young mathematician who is obsessed with pi 3.14 if i'm not mistaken yeah and that'll, that'll he, do us for for now yeah <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk crude approximations i can give you crude approximations but yeah and he sees pi and indeed maths everywhere and starts to think that it's all connected from ancient Greece to the people in charge of us, to the Bible, to Judaism. And he seems to be slowly losing his mind as well. Such is the obsession with this match. And it's told in this really you know, twitchy, nervy, almost handheld, black and white style. And it's yeah. a very bold piece of movie making because in a way, Sorry, that's my son's tablet. That's <laughs> It'll all stop right. in a second. Uh, it, it's putting maths, or at least attempting to, at the center of it. Now, you know a bit more about this than me, but I mean, when you break down the maths, it, it, it seems to me that there's a lot of kind of, I don't know, numerology, and, and I don't know how hard and fast the maths 
actually is. It certainly blinds us with lots of graphs and numbers and stuff like that. But it is a fascinating watch and does attempt to have as its sole purpose maths and maths being the center of everything. It also contains the trope of someone losing their mind through an obsession with maths. I think in terms of the maths, it falls into the same brackets as people who, it's like that Facebook page, you can't just draw the Fibonacci spiral on everything, you know, where you you know, so the Fibonacci spiral is kind of based on the Fibonacci sequence. And basically, it sort of roughly fits the, sh- you know, the whorls on a, on a, mm-hmm. on shellfish and on a snail and the arms of the galaxy. So it's, it's that, it's, what I what I like about a, a film like that is it's part of the evolution of so you, so you start you hate maths and it's just x's and y's and then somebody tells you no maths is about the patterns of the universe it's about our ability to see patterns and everything and then you go oh, there's patterns and everything and you know the, suddenly the golden ratio appears everywhere which is also in the Fibonacci mm. you know spiral and all that um, so so I think like like. For me, it's a classic example of only to be eaten as part of a balanced diet. Yes. <laughs> like if it's the only film you watch, you come out as mad as Max. Like because <laughs> it's so it is so good because it is, as you say, it's jittery and it's, yeah. it's shaky and you you descend into his his paranoia and you cross a boundary and you're like, Oh, I really want to see patterns everywhere. Mm. And of course, Matt's and nature it isn't really like that. The most important thing you need to know is that everything tends to using the minimum amount of energy as possible, you know, mm-hmm. using the minimum amount of material. That's why spheres exist. Spheres exist because it's the most efficient way to contain a thing. And it just so happens that every point on the sphere, its distance from the center relates is this ratio that just crops up. And, okay. you know, and, it, and the reason pi keeps cropping up everywhere is in electricity and in waves and everything is that everything is about the circle because it's the most efficient thing in nature, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. why everybody goes mad because they keep finding it and going, you know, maybe it's in the (laughs) stock market. Is everything in some kind of Hegelian way, is everything striving to get to the simplest thing possible? So that, so if, if more things could be a circle, there would be a much better efficiency. Well, it might not always be a circle, but a circle is one example of like, you know, it's the least surface area for the most volume or a sphere is. Right. So therefore, yeah. it uses the least material. Therefore, it might require the least energy. It's again, if you watch it and then go, oh, pi is really interesting as a number and take that away, you know, then it's perfectly, I think it's perfectly valid. And it's also a good film. And all, knowing it's made for nine grand, it's kind of yeah. interesting. Are you suggesting maybe it's a young person's film to, to a certain extent? Wow, numbers are everywhere, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah possibly kind of stoner as well. Um, yeah. But, yeah. You know, and are you also suggesting that the numerology in it is not a million miles away from stuff like the Da Vinci Code? Or do you think the math's better than that in it? Uh, I think it's getting, it's in the same space. Um, <laughs> okay. And I mean, the best line, is it in the Da Vinci Code, the best line where he says, I need to get to a library. Fast. <laughs> but uh, my favorite quote about it is um, Darren Aronofsky. He he was saying that in Sundance they called they called him bad will hunting. <laughs> that's of the maths in it. Uh, but what apparently, like what he was trying to get at is that geniuses, you know, also have some mad stuff 
like in the same way that Isaac Newton was searching for alchemy and mm. uh, that everything, like things move over into quasi-religion. So that the same place, uh, I can't remember where the quote is, but it's something along the lines of somebody asked some guy, uh, some genius, how come you believe in all this weird stuff as well as this this maths that you've worked out for yourself? And he was saying, like, I get the mad stuff from the same place I get the good stuff. So mm. so in this, so in Pi, I think Aronofsky is probably trying to say genius also has stuff that's just weird because the the fine line is there between uh, functioning genius or stuff that gets the answer right and you know, wearing shoes on your head kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just to interrupt myself there, that terribly vague reference I was searching for is actually related to the next movie we're going to discuss with John in a few seconds time. So he was talking about John Forbes Nash Jr. He believed in aliens. He believed the Bible has codes. He started to believe he was the Messiah. Someone asked him, how can you believe all this crazy stuff? He said, I figure that stuff out the same place I figure out the other stuff. Anyway, that's me interrupting myself there. Back to me talking to John. Thank you for introducing me to that film because I, I, I watched it on your on your recommendation. Other ones people would have heard. There's, of course, the classic A Beautiful Mind. Yeah. And again, you know, I in a way, that's a movie more about mental illness than it is maths to a certain extent. And we have uh, Russell Crowe, uh, who I have a voicemail from. There's my first... Uh, <laughs> little uh thing if that's okay I thought and, and does the voicemail say what the effing hell did you say about me on your show or is it uh it's, it's, can, you it's get, actually... can you get sliced pan on your way back from the shop <laughs> nothing quite as intimate as that it's yeah. more i'm calling in to do this interview let me know if you're ready to go and okay. it had been this thing he he was up for doing something but it had been kept very vague and they said hopefully tomorrow we'll be in touch and then the person who was organizing it wasn't in touch and he just rang Wow. And then I gave him a number to ring back and I gave him the wrong dialing code oh. and he figured it out himself. Wow. And he said something along the lines of, it's a miracle you're able to put all this together. It was actually very funny. Uh, <laughs> so, but, so in some ways you were the, in, in the movie of your life, you were the unorthodox movie show presenter who deliberately obfuscates and makes it hard for high-powered movie stars to appear on his show by giving them little challenges to overcome in the phone number. Exactly. It was all for his benefit. And that's that that would be the power dynamic if they ever made a movie of it. But yeah, a beautiful mind, John Nash, uh, Princeton University, a math scholar, very interested in kind of game theory and stuff like that, then gets co-opted by the Pentagon, or does he, to start studying kind of cryptotology and numbers that Soviet spies might be sending and planting in magazines and newspapers like that. And there are kind of, you know, flights of fancy in it, I would say, and maybe stuff that isn't very cool anymore where they're, you know, trying to chat up women in bars by using yeah. game theory. But John Nash, you know, was legendary in terms of the, the mathematics field and he was schizophrenic. And the reason why the movie gets so much attention is that Russell Crowe does a, does a very good job playing that that 
troubled person who is just at times completely disassociated from himself and the world. You know, there's a lot of stuff about Russell Crowe, just, you know, he's lived this kind of life. He's, you know, famously smashed phones and had rows with people and been unpleasant to people. Also been lovely to people at times as well. Let's yeah. not forget that. That people get away from the fact that occasionally he can give great performances. And I think he gives a great performance in this because it is a trope, the troubled soul. But John Nash suffered from schizophrenia. And I think Russell Crowe does that pretty well. Now, it has a lot of the mathematic tropes in it. That has the highest uh, chalkboard I, I think we've ever seen in any movie. And as I say, like, you know, the scene in the bar where they're figuring out here to chat up a woman through through chat up a woman through game theory is a bit hackneyed. Now they did have consultants on that. And again, the chalkboards appear to be up to scratch, but I don't think, you know, the mats was, was what they were really trying to do in that movie. They yeah. were trying to portray a character who was struggling really badly at times with his mental health and his savior and she won an Oscar for it. And I don't think it's overstating it. Savior was, was Jennifer Connelly, who is his, his partner in it. And she does a great job minding him in mm. essence. And it is a great movie, but the mats and maybe over to you here, I think is, you know, is okay at best. I'd suggest. Well, I suppose one good thing about it is that it has like a memorable thing in it that you can take away and go, all right, I see because like obviously he does lots of things throughout his career but it has it introduces people to game theory and mm. i always find that useful cuz i i find it very hard to conjure with any maths that simply wasn't on the leaving cert which is <laughs> ireland's version of you know sat's or yeah. or a levels or whatever in that i'm still i'm so conventional it's like equations get them right Whereas stuff like game theory, which is very narrative and what mm -hmm. if, and you can, can describe it and the prisoner's dilemma. Yeah. Like, it's no harm to introduce people to an area of maths that isn't calculus, which mm -hmm. is all about delta y's and delta x's, and isn't mm -hmm. arithmetic, which is yeah. all about adding, subtracting, multiplying, and various types of um, various types of manipulation of numbers. And and it it makes it it I I think what's good about it is it makes people realize that also maths is strategy. Yeah. Is if I do this and they do this across all these different factors, what is the best outcome I can get from mm -hmm. this decision and put a number yeah. on it? And and that's kind of unusual it's I, I i find it hard my brain finds it hard to take in but i'd say there's lots of people who have different types of brains who maybe didn't like maths in school but are really really good at stuff like game theory which you know the prisoner's dilemma two prisoners questions separately they if both of them remain stumm they each get the lowest sentence if one rats the other one out and the other one doesn't the rat gets goes free and the yeah the ratty the ratted on gets three years and all that um and so so the nash equilibrium i think is that in all of these games there is a point where uh you can't do any any further action will leave you worse off so this is the mm -hmm. best you can get yeah. by doing nothing or by making no further steps which all seems 
trivial in terms of two hypothetical prisoners, but when it's to do with war games and and the behavior of entire populations of people in economics, potentially can be very powerful. Again, all worked out in a pen. So I think it's good from that point of view. But yes, it does the the tortured giant mathematics, giant blackboard thing. Um, but I suppose that's just the challenge of the short of writing things on the screen in in parallel, you yeah. know, and showing yeah. the whole the whole equation because yeah. the film is two hours long um, and I'm working out of a mathematics problem is potentially years. They're, yeah. going to, they're going to cut some stuff out, aren't they? Absolutely. And and they're making movies. They're not doing PowerPoint presentations about maths. But it's interesting you say that, the narrativization of maths, that that's where it can get people in. My background, I have a master's in philosophy. And occasionally, yeah. I just throw that in there, you know, in case, yeah. you know, and it's look, look at you now. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But, you know, sometimes we would rub up against maths and prisoner's dilemma when you did political philosophy. And it's fascinating stuff. And I think I agree with you, you know, how to get people into the maths tent. And funny, I'd forgotten about it, but Christopher Nolan in The Dark Knight does a brilliant twist on the prisoner's dilemma when Batman's on a boat with all these people. And it's and it's a great use of that motif. And, and you know, it's such a cliche, that type of stuff is everywhere. But it is, it absolutely is, you know? So uh, yeah, Christopher Nolan, I'd forgotten about that in The Dark Knight. Okay, we'll add that to our list of recommended yes, from this as well too. Coming up in part two, the women who put a man in space, a twirly, clicky machine that might have shortened a world war, the wish-fulfillment movie about a man who is good at everything, a little bit of sport, and finally, what other mathematicians would we like to see Hollywoodized? The next one, Hidden Figures, probably is the one where you go, oh, yeah, I remember doing bits like that in school because it's planets, gravity, speed, projectiles. But the background in that isn't in mental illness. It's something else, isn't it? Yeah, it's race and it's gender. And for people who don't know it, and this is, you know, based on a true story and it's reasonably historically accurate. Uh, And you have these three African-American women who were mathematicians and were in essence early computers. And they weren't given the credit of how involved they were till much later in terms of putting John Glenn into space. And what I like about this film, it's where you can actually see in a way, you know, how important maths is and Mm. that their contribution was actually getting a man, it was a man obviously at the time, into space. And I suppose, you know, the, the, the criticism of that movie is there is still a, you know, a white savior narrative to an extent that, you know, the man who happens to be white or the white person comes back in and ties it all together. But that said, you know, you could argue, well, unfortunately that, that was the system they were playing at the time, but at least that was a, you know, an effort to bring these women back into the main field. And, you know, they were segregated, they were women, they were African-American, but they were doing maths that Mm. was essential. And as I say, they were kind of doing computing before it was even called computing. Well, the thing about picking up on the the word computer, one of the things I've learned in the last few years is a computer was a person and it was a trade. And women were seen as, more natural computers because it was looked down upon as a 
as a role. And, and at some point, so there used to be thousands of women doing computing in all sorts of areas of industry, be it supporting war or space or just general yeah. industry. And then at some point, uh, computing, and they were plugging, you know, they were programming the ENIAC and plugging cables in and unplugging and doing all that kind of thing. And at some point, people realized that computing or it became engineering and then all the sexism from engineering landed in on top of the computers and and the computer women were written out of history and sort of edged out of the role such that the gender balance of that function, you know, flipped within the space of 20 years. But just outside of that hidden figures, it's quite recognizable, isn't it? Like, so there'll be a bit where she'll kind of go, you know, you didn't carry the four or whatever, you know, the blackboard solving thing. But it's very tangible, isn't it? Because um, a fast thing is hurtling out into the unknown. It's speed. We know what speed is. It's mm-hmm. like the angle. Isn't there a bit where if they don't come in at the right angle, they'll burn up? And, they, yeah. and figuring out that angle. Angles off of what? If, if everybody is moving through space <laughs> where there's infinite angles, then, you know, working out the right angle, the correct angle, at the correct time, such that your 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 the steel or whatever of your ship doesn't burn, is uh, it's really tangible, isn't it? Like they, I think they do a great job of get, getting that across because there's a human inside. Exactly. And it's also very yeah. important yeah. <laughs> that you get these angles right. Of I was going to have to correct you there between the difference between a right angle and a correct angle. <laughs> yes. yeah. That could keep me up all night. But yeah, yeah, this is a great example of of the use, the tangible use of maths and that literally a person's life depends yeah. on this. And the jettisoning, jettisoning of jettisoning? getting rid of something off <laughs> something else in order for something to go quickly or correctly through space is all yeah. down to the angles, as you say. And it's also, there's great performances in it, particularly from Octavia Spencer as well. Yeah. Just as an actual movie, I think it's very, very enjoyable. Yeah. And it has a real kind of human interest uh, that will carry you along and gets the maths right largely it seems in terms of or certainly how important maths is uh, in terms of space flight you know it's a very satisfying film reinforced by the fact that it's very much based on a true story and Mm. like they're they don't spend at no point are you watching it going oh, they made that, that's not a word, or, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, a, there's yeah. no such thing as a decent inoculator. Like, you know, it's it's, <laughs> yeah. it's pen, paper, angles, velocity, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's probably one of the more satisfying uh, blackboard-based ones, definitely. Yes, yeah. And I mean, the, the juxtaposition with the blackboard and then, you know, the chaos out in the solar system yeah. where a man's life hangs in the balance is... is told very well that juxtaposition because yeah, because that juxtaposition is key to everything which is that everything is an approximation of what goes on out in the, the void yeah and you can exactly you know you can only do what you can do but if you get sums right to within a certain margin mm. of error that's enough yeah. uh yeah and the margins of error are pretty small in this movie though. that's right now for any good movie you need a bit where somebody runs with <laughs> runs to find the answer gets the answer and then runs, then dashes backwards, dashes yes. back and gets a piece of paper and starts 
looking through piles of paper <laughs> at a desk. And I think the imitation game has a very good one of these scenes in it, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. The imitation game is a very good movie. And there is a scene in that as well. I'm not sure if it's the same one where this machine he has created yeah. that's kind of in the background for nearly half the movie starts to work yes and it's yeah. I, I don't want to say spine tingling but there is yeah. a moment of wow he's proved right and 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 this thing that's been clicking and clicking and clicking away for a long time which i think is just basically an early computer but yeah. it finally comes to fruition or comes into bloom and you could argue that this again is matt's altering history and having a huge you know effect on it and that you know, I know Winston Churchill was the person who's generally credited with, you know, saving us all from the tyranny of Nazism and all that stuff. But but Turing, the, the mathematician who's at the center of it, clearly played his part. And I think that the game theory and the maths in it and the early computation of, in you know, intercepting these German messages is done pretty well in terms of an audience being able to see it. And the creation, as I say, of the Turing the turning. Turing machine that they have that they've yeah. constructed is really really well done now it does have and in this case this is a bit more interesting it's not that he necessarily has mental health issues but he's a homosexual at a time when that was not cool supposedly and you know you could are it's not homophobic but you could say they're just replacing mental illness with homosexuality which is a completely wrong-headed way of looking things but this is the issue yeah. in his life uh that troubled him because he couldn't express himself so it is again the thor the tortured mathematician uh but he does a, a fantastic job in it he really does I, I'm, even though i've spoken to him i momentarily forgot uh <laughs> what's his name why can't i think ben of benedict his name? cumberbatch benedict cumberbatch oh, yeah. i just yeah. couldn't think of his name there i've actually interviewed him twice believe yeah. it or not this is my second name drop but he's great in it he's great yeah. in it. and and they did from what i understand in terms of the mats consultant on board they did do the groundwork and attempt not to have any huge clangers in it now so, of course yeah. the construction of the Turing machine and the interception of, uh, 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 you know, the code breaking, you know, it, it's, it's Hollywoodized, but, but I think it has to be, you know? Yeah. And the thing, I mean, what I like about that scene is uh, so much of code breaking or cryptography and all that kind of thing are indeed computers is abstracted away from us now. Like we have mm -hmm. no idea what's going yeah, on on point. our phone. And yet what's supporting it is an extension of stuff like that machine in that it's patterns, it's, yeah. it's sequences of numbers. Now, I'm obviously completely bastardizing and boulderizing what's actually <laughs> going on. But, but I think there, there was a generation of people who programmed computers who will never not know how a computer works because they, yeah. they, they wrote in the old the old language, uh, you know, but they punched cards and it was about recognizing patterns in cards like mm. i i in my early career i worked i was a coder and i were you know i coded in java but i worked with people who were 30 years into their career or 20 years and they remember like putting cards with pattern wow. holes in into into compilers and wow so, isn't that amazing yeah so when so when that machine is whirring around now you could make a pastiche of it with it making all sorts of funny bells and whistles and you know uh like uh, your coffee's ready 
Yes, and uh, Inspector Gadget-style yeah. sounds. But it was necessarily, you know, he runs and he says, like, put, put some voltage through there. And that's what's yeah. happening. It's current is passing through. Uh, the dials are whirring. Like, I, I don't really know what's going on, but I, I feel like I have an appreciation for how one might decode signals and turn it into text. Like, yeah. I still don't know what the small machine is where he actually works the thing out. But now all of that is completely abstracted away. Like now if you see a computer film, it's like boop, 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 magnify yeah. sector G in yeah. terms of the how you find stuff out. So, you know, when you go to a museum that has old machines in it, be they mm. printing machines or weaving machines or anything where you can kind of see this is how stuff used to be made. And then it's a magnified version of how it's made now. Yeah, so That's kind yeah. of one of my... What, one of the things I, I like about it. Now, apparently, maybe one of the weaknesses of the film, if people are being picky, is that it emphasizes the Eureka moment in terms of his machine, because his machine yeah. is like, he wasn't the first person to build that kind of machine. He refined it and made it faster. But I think that's something that happens in lots of Matt's films, which is nobody's ever thought of this before. I'm the only one. I don't really collaborate with anybody because... They're going to waste my time. Where in fact, Matt yeah. is, is so iterative and collaborative. Yeah, and it's the sum total of every year before you's work. Mm. Everyone is standing on the shoulder of John. Exactly. When it comes to yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah, and it's funny. I'd actually the the moment when the machine, in very crude terms does the thing without giving a spoiler, but, you know, let's cracks a code of sorts. And they do all come rushing in from a bar and it's like, <gasps> and I'm sure that did not <laughs> happen in that way. But that, yeah. that is the nature of movie telling. When you have to narrativize something, that, that's the way these things need to be done, you know? Uh, we're nearing the end, John. Thanks very much for a very enjoyable tour of the mathematical movies. We can't not mention Goodwill Hunting, of course. Yes. Now, here's the thing. So Goodwill Hunting is, you know, I used to say, oh, it's a guilty pleasure of mine, but like, it's just a pleasure of mine. Uh, no, I, I think it's a very man movie. It's a yeah. guy cry kind of, it's not your fault, people with daddy issues, whatever. But it's just a glorious movie that uh, Robin Williams, I, I think it's his best performance. You know, I, I really do is this aging psychotherapist who's had his own problems in life, mostly the death of his wife, and he's working in a community college. And he agrees to take on the case, and it, and it is a case of Will Hunting, who's a genius. And he's he's an unspecified genius, as in he knows everything about yes. everything. Yeah. He's like, it's what is his condition? Or it's he's just he's Superman, basically, yeah, right? He's, he's suffering from being a legend, I think, is his yeah, is, is, is condition. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And he goes, so basically he gets into but but he he has a dark side. He was in foster care. Uh, and he not not that that's what makes him dark, but his treatment in foster care. So he was an orphan. He has some issues. He ends up in a fight. He gets sent to court. They agree. He gets sent to jail. He can get out of jail if he goes to therapy. And he agrees to do maths with the great Stellan Starsgard, uh, yeah. who's on screen time next week, talking about his role in June, just okay. to throw that in there. Absolutely. Who's a maths professor in MIT. And how does he even know about Will Hunting? Well, Will Hunting happens to work 
as a janitor, as yeah. you do, dee, 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 cleaning yeah. those floors for the nice college kids. And he goes around fixing or curing <laughs> these equations that are on, left on blackboards, serendipitously left on blackboards. No one else can solve them except him. So they track him down as the person who's able to solve these supposed theorems. And then he enters into Matt's with Stellan Skarsgård, where they do equations together. And he also enters into therapy with Robin Williams and attempts to find some healing from his past. Now, one of the things, because I Googled this, was the famous problem that he solved that, again, is left on a chalkboard isn't even a theorem. Yeah. It's a system, apparently, right? That isn't a need of solving. But yeah. let's not... I the know, maths yeah. get in the way of a good old-fashioned genius who's slightly damaged. Now, it sounds like I'm slagging off that movie, but every time I watch that, it gets me. Because at source, it is a metaphor for, you know, even geniuses all have an Achilles heel and yeah. we all are in need of someone putting our arm around and saying, it's not your fault. And the shit, if you're allowed to curse on this, yeah. that happened to some of us as a kid, probably, well, of course it wasn't our fault. We were just kids and we all want the Robin Williams in our life to come and say, it's not your fault. So it's a glorious movie. The maths is probably a bit stinky in it. It's fine. I mean, there's, I think there's a bit where he's like, oh, so you use, I notice you use, you know, McLaren series or Taylor yeah. series. And it's like, I think you probably would use that if you were doing maths in college anyway. But I think what I like about it is the idea that there are people out there who are really good at things and never got to express mm. it, you know, and that's yeah. sort of, it's almost like a fantasy for the world. So there's, yes. there's elements which are the male fantasy of being good at everything yeah. and and everybody liking you. And the only person who doesn't like you is an arsehole. You know, that kind of yeah. that kind of vibe. But there's also the idea, because I, 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 there is an Indian mathematician. Now, again, it's a story which has been kind of burnished over time. A guy who was really good at doing complicated, you know, the kind of guy who could find digits of pi way yeah. out there but he was he kept on writing to mathematicians saying you know here are solutions to things and his his way of doing things or thinking of them was unconventional and eventually he was invited over to britain in i don't know the early 20th century and it turned out he's very good at this stuff you know and again worthy of a movie you know the, it's a fantasy that there are people out there who just if given the opportunity could be amazing at yeah. something like maths. And of course, the thing yeah. about maths is that your skill at it is not obvious because it's mm. not a physical feat that buried in us, yeah. and buried in people that have been mistreated by society or misjudged or condemned are these vast oceans of untapped potential yeah. that... You know, it's like it's like the idea that the cure for cancer is hidden somewhere on a leaf in an Amazonian yeah. rainforest. It, it, and it's the same thing. It's not a maths movie at all, but with Billy Elliot. Here's these yeah. guys in the industrial north in a minor strike. And this kid, the most incongruous talent you can imagine for the son of a minor is yeah. ballet. And yet 
it's the wish fulfillment thing. If only, you know, and it's, you're exactly right. It's the same thing in Goodwill Hunting. And like, like Billy Elliot, it's not a talent that's obvious, mats yeah. or, or ballet. You, know? yeah. you don't see it as someone's walking down the street necessarily. You know? So yeah, there's a huge wish. I mean, I suppose some of the most successful movies of all time are wish fulfillment writ large, like, you know, the Shawshank Redemption, which is yeah. nothing to do with mats, but the yeah. idea that you're held oppressed for 30 years and never escape and then you'll dig a hole. Everybody dreams of that <laughs> yeah. in some fashion, you know? That's just retirement, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess it is. And, and and in fairness, in Shawshank Redemption, he's pretty nifty at uh, accounting practices and he knowledge, is, yeah. knowledge yeah. of tax law, which yes, boils exactly. the numbers as well. So it's, Very it's, just much a, so it's not a prison movie, it's a maths movie. It's a maths you know? movie. We're going to say but, that. So but, was Billy Elliot. Yeah, he Die needed Hard. two feet. Yeah. yeah, Die Hard is a maths movie. It's not a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we're nearly at the end. Any other ones you wanted to mention? Uh, I you just mentioned Moneyball when we were chatting. Moneyball. Just, just because it seems to me the maths in that is kind of rudimentary. And this has been proven that that this works in case people don't know it, it's about the Oakland's A's baseball team I know nothing about baseball but Brad Pitt opposite Jonah Hill and Jonah and the, the team are struggling and Jonah Hill comes to him with basically saber metrics about looking at numbers in terms of baseball players is numbers of hits and whatever the terminology and <laughs> home runs passes all that kind of stuff but the maths is it, I don't want to say it's simple, but it's not hard. It's literally looking at the figures. And, and this is what this team did and had some significant success about it. And mats are used a lot in sport, you know, and with all these little running devices nowadays, mats, you know, are a big thing of sports. And I, I, I've seen this equipment, you know, where you're hooked up to stuff and they literally see the stats of where you run and where you didn't run and how fast and how slow. Like, so, you know, mats in sports movies is is a, I don't want to say it's a growing genre, but I think there's going to be more movies about that because, you know, mats is rife in yeah. the premiership. And I don't mean the mats of these inflated wages or points deduction of my own beloved Everton, but I mean the actual stats of players' ability in sports is a big thing. And, and Moneyball kind of focuses on that pretty well, I think. So, so the mats is pretty decent yeah. in Moneyball, I think, because it, it's simple enough mats. Yeah, it's simple enough maths layered on loads of data. And yeah, that, I think yeah. that's what, like, uh, everybody's talking about big data. And does mathematics used, which I don't fully understand, like what happens when you have an almost unmanageable amount of data, the algorithm by which you extract useful conclusions from mm. it probably has complex maths in it, even though the answers are things like, you know, on base percentage or slugging percentage. I suppose the thing about baseball is that it it's one of those sports where all of the actions in it are discrete. Like you throw a ball, it it's hit, and then what happens? That ball is a is a discrete thing, and then you move on to the next one. Whereas maybe what's probably been harder with football and rugby and all those that it's a continuum and that everything is a sequence depending on a number yeah. of decisions that's that a good point actually yeah. go wrong because you don't stop and analyze yeah. after each pass but again the data now the data is applied to every single meter that's run every pass mm. 
it's easily accessible because of the tons mm. of cameras looking at everything. But and I wonder is that one of the reasons I find baseball so interminably boring? I, <laughs> I went to New York on a J one, and I went. We I remember we got these great seats in Yankee Stadium, right on the plate, as they say. And I was just bored out of my mind. I think I got drunk. I tried again once in Shea Stadium. Once in I've just never. I've yeah. never gotten into baseball. It's so hard to watch. It really. I know. Is. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's more enjoyable. The- yeah, it's more enjoyable for the enthusiasm. With it depends if you like the person you're attending the game with. Yeah, possibly. And, and they're very enthusiastic about it, and they seem happy. And you're like, "Well, I'm happy. You're happy. I have no idea what's yeah. going on." Yeah, so, I guess. So that so that's that was Moneyball. Um, also a great movie though, like enjoyable movie. Great movie. And very enjoyable movie. And great very actors enjoyable. doing actory things. Um, yes, Jonah Hill and Brad Pitt, terrific in it, uh, and 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 Brad Pitt's kind of, let's say, reluctance to go down this numbers route. It's great, great watch. Uh, so, there's lots of other movies we could pick, but I thought we might, if I can uh, indulge myself a little bit, have a think about who are movies are characters from maths that you'd like to see movies made about. I mean, we mentioned them already, Galileo, that kind of battle with the church. And already our story of Galileo is probably grossly simplified. And it's like, Galileo good, church bad. And then if you read it, it's like, no, I think he was being a bit of a dick. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of, it's never as simple as... Is that but, yeah, Galileo is um, an interesting one that they haven't done that. I mean, there have been songs written about him, but you're completely right about, and it's the same with Matt's movies, I guess, but the, the nuances of history and how we've come to refigure how these things were told to us. Because, yeah. you know, Galileo, I remember reading, I think it's at the start of the myth of Sisyphus, where Camus talks about, you know, how Galileo was this, you know, shining light of science and rationality. And then they came to, execute him because of his views and he quickly said oh no that wasn't me at all i didn't think any of that stuff when his life was on the line so uh, no a a galileo movie i could i i I could see that so definite i think there should be a movie about everest galois who tell me more founder uh, often stated as the founder of modern algebra and he died at age 20 so sometimes we slag off movies because these people are impossibly young in, in a movie. They achieve so much. But Everest Galois was involved. So he's, er, he's in the early 19th century. Like, so in France, revolution, it's not just Bastille. They're revolutioning mm. and revolting and revolving for 30 <laughs> years after the Bastille. You know, so Everest Galois, real firebrand. Like, you're... You're absolutely off his head, mate, who's always getting into scrapes. And he gets into a duel and he is... uh, So it's not clear whether the duel was over uh, love or over Republican politics or, uh, you know, whether he was a double agent for the the king or something like that. Um, So he dies in a duel, but the night before the duel, he writes all the maths he knows down... (laughs) in like letters to people wow. uh, so That's it's like screaming screaming yeah. ridley scott to me yeah empties his brain now again i'm sure he wrote other letters too but you know <laughs> like if i can if an idiot like me can encapsulate the you know the father of modern algebra he definitely died in a duel he was definitely involved in revolutionary politics in the early 19th century france then i think we can um we can definitely 
uh, bastardize his story enough, I think, to make... You could very easily make a bad movie that would do quite well, I think. Yes, absolutely. As I say, that is Ridley Scott written all yeah. over. And no disrespect to Ridley Scott. Yeah. Isn't though there's something in, and actually here's another name drop for you, but I remember once John Banville saying to me, poets and mathematicians, they peak early. Like, yeah. isn't it? Isn't there something that a, a mathematician, it tends to be in their 20s when the, the great stuff is done? Or is that is that a generalization? I don't I don't know. I I won't. Uh, I mean, this is obviously a podcast, so I absolute free reign to sound off on something I don't know anything about. But I imagine it's not your stock and trade on a yeah, podcast. I mean, maybe what happens is that they do some really good stuff very early on, and then they get a cushy number, mm-hmm. and you know, I say everybody just gets a bit settled. I don't know whether it's a yeah. function of brain power. It might just be a function of success. I mean, the flip side of that is the German guy who spent his entire life, again, let me find his name now, uh, spent his entire life trying to find more and more uh, numbers of pi using quite arcane methods, only to find that like Leibniz or Newton had done it, like using a pi making machine, you know, much, much easier and had bested him. And he pretty much died of, you know, realizing that his entire life's work had been superseded by a bet somebody with a better method okay. uh, so that's the that kind i mean that's very much a french film i think that should yeah, probably yeah, be a yeah. french existential movie uh yeah. I, I won't keep it too long more just some other people uh paul erdos uh one apparently one of the most prolific mathematicians of the 20th century i think there's the erdos number which is if you're if you're publishing papers it's like how many people are you linked to that uh, are linked to him. He's sort of the six degrees of Kevin Bacon of uh, of the maths publishing, okay. maths PhD publishing world. But he was he would just show up at people's houses and do mathematics. Like he was sort of homeless. He was, but what we call now maybe a digital nomad. But back in the day, he was just eccentric and would just turn up doing doing mathsy things. Um, and one more, uh, Kurt Godel. Uh, and I'm reading this from Forbes.com, five most eccentric mathematicians most people forget about. Uh, Kurt Godel, instrumental to much of the foundations of modern mathematics, a paranoid schizophrenic who starved to death when he became convinced everyone was trying to poison him. Uh, wow. So he starved to death after his wife died, as she had been the only person he trusted to bring him food. Now, again, wow. that is Oscar bait, possibly best yeah. foreign picture Best foreign language picture at the Oscars. That might might sneak into contention for best picture anyway, which is happening more and more. Yeah, wow. He sounds sounds fascinating and tragic. And the girth to the Hollywood male, you'd have to suggest. Exactly, exactly. Um, So you heard it here first, all 208 listeners of you. (laughs) <laughs> but you have more listeners than me, so you can tell them what a great time you had. On Absolutely. The, on I will mention this on my, on my own show this <clears throat> week, The Function Room with yes. Colm O'Regan. You can tell uh, who are you talking to next week again? Uh, Stellan Skarsgård. Very good. You can tell him how uh, he was he featured earlier on. In a, he'd be delighted that he's turned up an esoteric, that his work has lived on. Yeah. Much as the great mathematicians of the time, his, his blackboard <laughs> problem setting has been preserved in a podcast of all things. Yeah. yeah. I imagine it will make his day. <laughs> Amid the 27 interviews he's agreed to that day, you know.
Yeah, so you just on Zoom or you just one screen on the Zoom. Uh, yeah, I think this one's a phoner. The worst one is when you hear in the background, who am I talking to? Oh, yeah. Farty. Ireland, yeah. <laughs> I no, love first, Ireland. Yeah. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's married to an Irish lady, so he probably okay. knows his Irishness quite well. Ah, he yeah, seems yeah. a very nice guy, yeah, yeah. Just in case he does hear this before we do the interview. <laughs> I no. think you're great, Stellan. He's done great work all through his career, uh, yeah. but his finest work remains uh, that Blackboard set up on Goodwill Hunting. Indeed it does. Thanks so much for coming to the function room, John Fardy. My pleasure, Colm O'Regan. <laughs> uh, may the mats road rise to you. Indeed. And uh, may everything continue to move in a, a cinematic direction for you also. <laughs> Wonderful. It's the nicest goodbye I've ever heard. That was John Fardy there, presenter, producer and everything-er of Screen Time with John Fardy on News Talk and on the Go Loud Network. Goes out live at 6pm on Saturday, uh, but you can hear it anytime you want on Go Loud or wherever you get podcasts and all of that. So thanks very much to John. That was really interesting. I learned lots about film there from you. So... And just a few bits and bobs before I go. The Indian mathematician was Srinivasa Ramanujan. Uh, He was born in 1887, died in 1920. He was born in Mysore state, in Tamil Nadu in India. We talked about Galileo. uh, It should be a film. There was a film in 1975. Not exactly blockbuster stuff. Although Galileo was played by Topol, who was the star of Fiddler on the roof so presumably had some experience in climbing up high to see some effects and finally there I mentioned some German and pi that was Ludolf van Kuhlen who actually was Dutch he calculated pi to I think it was 35 digits which apparently was enough to it was accurate enough that you could calculate the size of the universe down to the width of an atom uh, the level of accuracy of the width of an atom that's how good it was so even though his life's work was superseded by uh, Leibniz or whatever it probably you know you'd be happy enough with that if pi digit calculation was your game that's it from the function room for this time please share like do whatever you want in order to get other people listening uh, any feedback suggestions for guests if you're Matsy and you want to be on it and you've got something to say, let me know on one of the 38 different contact methods I seem to struggle to keep up with. Hello at ColumnOregon.com. You can get me on Twitter at ColumnOregon. Instagram, ColumnOregon Writer. LinkedIn, ColumnOregon, but with a tie. Uh, Facebook, ColumnOregon. Or just uh, drive past the house and shout in the window. But for now, from me, Colum O'Regan. Bye-bye.